What's happening everybody? Episode 2 of The Red Pill. Last week we had James in the hot seat. James, thank you for your contribution and sharing your story. You're, um, you're very much week. welcome. Um, very much enjoyed that. Now, today I will be in the hot seat. I will be receiving the questions and talking about my experiences. I'm, I'm keen to see what um, James and Liv have in store for me. How are you feeling evening. about that? How am I feeling about what, Liv? Could you be more specific? <laughs> you know what you're know, asking. Um, you know how I feel about it. I'm incredibly excited <laughs> to have the spotlight on me. I'm all about the attention, <laughs> as you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very excited to, like... And also, I'm really excited for you guys to get to know me a bit better as well. Because, obviously, yeah. we, like, we have spent a lot of time together. But I really think that... I think one of the things that got us excited about this whole hot seat thing is... You know, when do you ever really sit around and, like, actually just fucking drill someone yeah. about their experience? You never yeah. do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, that's an element I'm excited for. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you ready, yeah? yeah. <laughs> okay, then, I think we should get straight to it, then, in that case. The nitty-gritty. So, uh, Liv was going to ask a question. Yeah. How do you know James? Um, right, so this is, I love telling this story. So I know James through someone we all know, um, individually and collectively, um, a guy called Sat, um, commonly referred to as the godfather of the red pill. Um, but anyways, um, Sat basically called me up one afternoon and he said, dude, like, are you going to come? You've got to come canvassing. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. And he was canvassing for the Labour Party during the general election. And he said that this guy from his work, who's about my age and kind of reminded me of him or vice versa or whatever, had taken him canvassing the week before, which was also his first experience of doing it. And I was like, all right, cool. So we'll see what this is about. Went, had a really good time. Um, and then we arranged, so I think, James, you came up to North London first. Yeah. You came up to Highgate, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we just got, yeah. we just clicked. <laughs> like, we just mm-hmm. literally just clicked mm-hmm. straight away. And actually, at the time, mm-hmm. it was really refreshing for me because, as you both know, I think both of you, maybe, I don't know, like, running not more political circles, but maybe your friends are a bit more um, politically outspoken and engaged is probably mm-hmm. the more appropriate word. Yeah. James was the first person I had met that was my age that I connected with on a political level that could actually was interested in politics, but then also outside of politics it on a cultural legend. level. Yeah, yeah. 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 an absolute yeah. chap, as we say. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, oh, up God. to that point, I never really had that balance, mm. to be mm-hmm. honest with you. So, yeah. and then that's, and that's, and then we what, like mm. week after week, we were yeah. just different areas Enfield, Croydon, mm-hmm. as usual, mm-hmm. you trekking yep. up to North London. Yeah. <laughs> How long Enfield. was it before you guys started chatting about maybe setting up a podcast then? Oh wow! Um, I don't know. It was. Um, I keep on looking at James to answer the question as well. Uh, <laughs> I felt like I thought I said anything. So I wasn't gonna say anything. It I'll was about. I'll tell you what it was. It was like me and James literally used to send each other fucking ten minute voice notes. Yeah, I get them now. Yeah, yeah, you get them now. Listen, listen <laughs> no, what's that group? <laughs> and like just voice note after voice note are just like just blah 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 blah. I don't think we're listening mm-hmm. to each other to be honest. We're just fucking talking <laughs> at each other, which suits me just fine. But then basically, what happened was. Um, it was a couple of weeks after the election and we were still buzzing. Like we were just so buzzing about the result that had happened and so, and just the conversations. And we really felt that something that I, I certainly I noticed, one thing that really stood out to me was the way that politics seemed to suddenly become so much more accessible to a demographic that is largely in my adult life been discounted from politics or, or it's been assumed that they aren't interested in politics. And that's your more sort of urban and more sort of musically focused groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, music and, and, and politics have had an intrinsic connection throughout time, which we kind of seem to have lost over the fucking 90s and the 2000s, I feel. Back mm. in the day, music was very political. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 it kind of came into influence again and then that's when we were having conversations about god i'd love it if we could just keep this going the idea was that we wanted yeah. to keep the momentum. No, I'm not going to say that. We did want to keep the momentum going and, and actually, like, we wanted to expand our own mindset and then it just naturally fell upon that, that, you know, we were talking about some fucking... Actually, I'm not going to say it because that might still come to affect some uh, business ideas that have been happening yeah. on a bait out. Still ideas, but even yeah. so... Um, obviously, I've been DJing on Mode FM for a while. Just mm-hmm. the natural mm-hmm. progression was to then mm-hmm. move it on to mm-hmm. there. But it yeah. happened organically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. So you started off in Haringey? Yes. Started out and still in Haringey. The only time I've lived outside of Haringey was when we lived in Southall. And that was like when I was before I can even remember. Mm. Um, and I, I've got a lot of love for my borough. And actually, interesting fact about um, Haringey, and I've sort of lived on both sides of this. Haringey statistics... Right, is actually if you if you split the area in half, so you've got your high gates, your muzzle hills, your crouch ends, right? But then you've got your sort of like your Tottenham's, your wood greens, elements of Hornsey. Mm-hmm. If you split them in half, statistically speaking, you would have one of the most deprived boroughs in London and one of the more affluent and more most well serviced areas boroughs in London. So there's a huge disparity of wealth and, and, and standard of living in Harrogate, mm. which I was privy to. Mm. Just going back to the kind of canvassing thing, like when I've spoken to James about your canvassing, he's like so passionate about it. He thinks like you're one of the best people who he's ever come across Thank you. who does it. <laughs> like yeah. what skills do you use for that? And like where do you feel like you learn them? There's two, there's two, there's two ways to answer this question. There's the practical element. That, the, fuck it, I'll just talk, I'll just talk. Basically, <laughs> one... I didn't fit the mould or the bill. Actually, the way that I come across sometimes is I came across, especially when we were in areas like Croydon and Enfield, what came in mm-hmm. handy is um, sometimes I'd be wearing tracksuits and stuff and I, talk, I've, I'm, I speak quite colloquially or certainly certainly a lot more back then. Um, and I, you know, I had a bit, I, came across, I come across sometimes as a you know, white working class dude who you, know, you don't often see out canvassing. Certainly my experience, I didn't see a lot of them out. Yeah. And that enabled me to connect with people that otherwise maybe would have just sort of rolled their eyes and thought, oh, it's another moaning lefty. Or maybe if they held some sort of prejudice, they might be a bit less responsive to James, but maybe Mm -hmm. a bit more to me, hypothetically Mm -hmm. speaking. But also um, sales. So I'm like naturally gifted, I would say. Also, I've been told at building rapport with people, but um, like from working in sales environments for a very long, for at least the past three, four years now, um, I understand how to influence people and understand that like canvassing in a way is more or less selling something door to door as opposed to, Mm. you know, it's about having a conversation. Like you you catch more bees with honey, I believe the expression goes. Yeah, catch more bees with honey then. Right. Are you the honey? <laughs> and the Are you calling yourself funny? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. It's like it's just for instance, it's like I think there's a really good example of this and I think there's a moment that James is very fond of where we were in a council estate in Enfield and this there was this like guy outside smoking a fag, drinking a beer, it was like fucking eleven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and he saw us and he just went, <laughs> not chance that's not interested. Mm. And rather than sort of be like, okay, yeah, no worries, sorry, mate, go about your business. I was like, <laughs> out of interest, and this is a classic sales thing. Yeah. If I call you up 
and you go, yeah, yeah sorry, not interested. With about nine times out of ten, I'm going to go, what are you not why? interested in? I haven't said anything yet. Yeah. And okay, when they, you might explain why you're not interested in it, and mm -hmm. I might challenge that, I'm going to probe you. Okay, well, why is that not of interest? Okay, mm -hmm. cool, well, have you considered this, blah, blah, blah. Because what mm -hmm. I actually found on this canvassing is a lot of people kind of... It's almost like a defence mechanism. Mm -hmm. People object They don't to want things. to think about stuff. They don't mm -hmm. want to think about stuff, exactly. So what was his answer then when you asked him? He said... Because it's all the same, it's all bullshit. And I said, what's all bullshit? Right? And you keep going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And he said, the core of it was that he felt so alienated yeah. from politics um, that he, to him, it was all the same and it was all a bunch of lies. And, you know, I said to him, I, you know, and I was very sort of in favour of Jeremy Corbyn and I, and I really felt that um, there was, that he re represented a lot of change. And, and more importantly, I could share my own story. I said to him, I'm like you. Mm. I wouldn't fucking be out here in Camerson if I didn't believe it. I said, I said, I was at a football yesterday, and I was. I was literally at the FA Cup final, like, two days before. I was like, do you really think I'm giving up my fucking bank holiday Monday, right, to come and chat to you about someone? I said, listen, mate, I'm a fucking geezer, yeah? I was like... <laughs> I'm the honey, yeah. yeah I'm, the fucking, I'm the fucking honey, all right? Yeah, mm. some bees come at me, bro. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And I, and, but, like, it just helped me connect. I don't want to. I don't. I didn't want to do this, but I wanted to add to your story. So what Dan actually did say, he said that this was this election here provides you with two completely separate choices, not just like the same things. Like it's the first time the two choices are quite clearly different. Mm. So this is your chance to make a difference, and that's when the guy went a bit silent. Like, Okay. Do you think he voted in the end? No, I don't think he I did don't at think all. He voted, nah. I don't think he did at <laughs> nah, all. But nah, yeah. the, the, the point was, think, the point was, is would I have been able to actually conduct that conversation and even get that far mm. had I not spent the last couple of years literally being trained how to influence people? Mm. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of selling politics. I don't think I don't think it's appropriate. But mm. at the same time, I think that the skills that you learn within sales mm. can help you so much in a broader spectrum of life and how you connect and engage yeah. with people. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, what you're doing at canvassing is just poking people, isn't it? Really, pretty much, mm -hmm. pretty much. You're asking them to think about stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what do you think about like politics now? Like, what's your opinion? On... I'll be honest with you; it's a bit embarrassing considering we're talking on a political podcast that we mm -hmm. all started. But like, I'm so detached from politics at the minute; it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I don't know what's, I don't know what's happened. I mean, there are things that. There are things that like that have concerned me a little bit. Like I'll give you an example. There was there were moments where there are things I've seen since the election mm -hmm. that have waned my enthusiasm for the Labour Party yeah. and Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Not to say I don't support him still, and mm -hmm. I do believe that he is the healthiest alternative to our current system. Mm -hmm. um, like for instance, I vote. I voted Brexit. I voted against Brexit, sorry, I voted to remain Jesus. <laughs> Not for you remain. I voted to remain. And I I wouldn't consider myself fierce to remain, but then I've since like read books. I read like I've started reading a book called Adults in the Room by Yanis Varoufakis about his uh, uh, beef yeah. with the Greek uh, with the yeah. EU establishment mm -hmm. over Greece accepting a third EU bailout loan. Yeah. And it's really put me off. It's really sort of I'm really starting to question a lot of my earlier enthusiasm politics. Being honest with you. I got so into politics because it came at a point in my life where there was just not much else going on. My life was very much work, drink, get fucked mm -hmm. all the time. And actually when I got into politics was actually when I had a moment of clarity because I stopped drinking 
not intentionally because I was doing the ultra right collar boxing and part of that is you have to be abstinent for eight weeks to take part mm. and I did my best I did get drunk like twice but like it's amazing how like not drinking all the time changes your perspective on things mm. mm-hmm. and now I've got so many creative outlets that like I just used to invest it all in politics and I'll just mm-hmm. be on like news now or all these different political forums just like reading different opinions and I became mm-hmm. a bit fanatical about it when I think about it but now I've got so many creative outlets like mm-hmm. I'm just DJing all the time I'm doing the spoken word poetry all the time you know I've got my other podcast um, sp- speak easy podcast. speak easy open mic by the way just <laughs> thank you very much um, <laughs> and I've been doing so much promo that like mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't even have like doesn't it make your guys' head hurt Sometimes when you just there's so much of it. Yeah. Like when you talk about politics, it's like do you know what it makes me think of? Mm-hmm. What's that game where you got a whack a mole? Is it whack a mole? Yeah, whack a mole. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's what it's like. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're trying to like get to grips with one thing, mm-hmm. and then suddenly this big other fucking thing comes along, and it's like it just hurts my head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just this all encompassing, all absorbing, just mess. Mm-hmm. And I like there are elements of politics I really like. Mm-hmm. So people like Dennis Skinner, yeah. I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, but then, like you know, that thing we went to the other day, we saw Jeremy Corbyn talk, being challenged on the um, yeah. challenged yeah. about this, the the housing crisis. Yeah. For the record, this is dispossession um, filmed by Paul Sung. Um, it's it's talking about the social housing crisis, yeah. and then Jeremy Corbyn was in, was in Curzon, Curzon, yeah, and I was in um, Chelsea. I was in Chelsea, yeah, uh, um, and yeah, he was on the panel. Yeah, and I just you get very politician answers. And like, do you know what? Like, realistically, he was being asked to sort of, he was being asked to undermine and slate his, like, la- like labour-run councils, which puts him in an awkward position. But it's kind of like those things of like, never meet your heroes. It's kind of like, don't see your political heroes in a political <laughs> debate because you're going to yeah. be disappointed. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, these guys, these people are politicians. And actually, where I'm at with politics now, is I'm, I'm once again a bit confused because I just don't know like how much power politicians actually have to fix the problems that we mm-hmm. have in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should talk about this another time. <laughs> <laughs> it's why, um, why Dennis Skinner then? Because he backs what he says and he's very passionate about what he believes. And I, I, I just... Have you met him? I haven't met him. I haven't met him, but Don't like, meet him. Really? Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hell, you know my heart. <laughs> You're mean. Um, but like, like, I like the way that he conducts himself. And I like the way that it's nice. To, do you know what I'm about, right? In any context, in any form, under any platform at any time, it's about passion and fire and life and just and just like adrenaline and being about something and representing something and standing for something. And even with people that I ideologically oppose, not including Dennis Skinner, mm-hmm. I respect that quality in someone. Mm-hmm. So and how do you feel about Dennis Skinner's um, stance on Brexit? I think I think the fact that he's able to coherently say mm-hmm. that my constituency, by overwhelming majority, right, are against the EU, and also the fact that he makes the very relevant case that, from his perspective, the people that make the decisions with the EU are unelected officials, and he believes that that's anti-democratic. Mm-hmm. At least I know where he stands on the subject. Yeah. Something Corbyn should maybe think about. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not blaming Corbyn specifically for that, but like, mm-hmm. I this I, I think it's mad that we're pretending there's people who are opposed to remaining in Europe mm-hmm. aren't just fucking saying it. Mm-hmm. But he is saying, this is why I'm opposed to it, this is why, and he's representing his constituents, which is literally the job of yeah. a, a politician. So you mentioned that now you've got a number of different creative outlets mm. and that that's something that you started exploring, I suppose, like over the summer. Yes. 
um, amongst which DJing, spoken word, um, obviously politics, podcasting, that kind of thing. Yeah. Are, are any of those things that you'd explored before, or were they all new? I've been DJing since I was 15. You have to understand, like, my, my upbringing has been somewhat alternative in some respects. So with my family, it was very conventional, but then my best friend, um, you know, his family, like, had, you know, were, like, in a rave scene from when we were like really young. So we'd be at places and there'd be these weird like turntable thingies and these like weird square things with this thing spinning and music coming out of them. So we, I'm talking like six, seven years old, I've been exposed to like mm. a lot of like underground music and a lot of like, I didn't grow up listening to commercial music. Like mm. I only, I bet I, I, my predominantly my like music that I've listened to over the years has been like underground. Um, it, whatever I'm trading off the point is I've been collecting records no, since no, I was no, 15 I, I want to hear this this is not the point it's just, it's just that basically like I've spent well, growing up my musical taste I need a mixtape normally by, normally <laughs> by my peers have been called like crackhead music or something like that because we're talking about early like, post acid house like mm-hmm. jump pre-jungle type fucking mm-hmm. they call it old school hardcore that's what we grew up listening to mm. right and like, we didn't grow up listening to, like like we, you know we were listening to like fucking real like shit this before you could find drum and bass and grime on itunes mm-hmm. you had to like no being a no for that shit mm-hmm. so that was what i was exposed to which was at odds with everyone else i knew who was very much attached to mainstream music mm-hmm. and i've been djing since i was 15 and i've done that my whole life as a hobby kind of thing played out those places i played at egg a good few times mm. um like played out all over london really done some mad fucking shit behind the decks which i won't go into now mm. but like you know we've had some we've had some good times and then it, it's when i stopped drinking is when suddenly i was like all oh, right shit there's actually more to life and there's all these like things going on and actually we live in a beautiful age now where you can personify your identity and personify your passions Back in the day, if you like having conversations and debates with your friends like we do, you wouldn't be able to broadcast that to the world unless you like made it big or like, you know, and you have to dedicate your life to that. We live in a wonderful age now where like you can just follow your passions like once a week and then just put that out for everyone to like listen to and enjoy and, and share and stuff. Um, and then the spoken word came, spoken word poetry came directly as a result of when I quit drinking. I quit drinking for a very good reason um, because it turned me into a prick when I drank, became really aggressive like verbally abusive to people I cared about <clears throat> I'm not choking up or anything I just like had something in my throat there like, <laughs> and like it, like more importantly it made me like fucking ignorant like when you when you're when you drink all the time and when like your life revolves around um how fucked you can get like you, there's so many things you miss out mm. I'll give you an anecdote right last Friday I went out with my girlfriend's work friends I've, she's been working with them for like five or six years, right? This is the first time I've ever been out with them sober. I've only ever, ever seen these people drunk. Mm. And the guys that I thought, the guys that I thought like, there was not tension with some of them previously, but I could tell there wasn't, they weren't exactly blown away by me, mm-hmm. which I was surprised by because I thought I was <laughs> Yeah, turning up, yeah, the honey, turning up. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want a short? Do you want to buy a short? Like that. Mm-hmm. I was that guy in a mm-hmm. suit. Like, turning up, like, just done a deal, buying people's shots, just that, just a, oh, cliche, like, just sleazy guy, and like, and, but at the time, you don't think of it that way, you think you look really cool, mm-hmm. and you don't at all, and you think, like, you're not doing it to curry favour, but you really are, 
And actually, I got to know these people on such a better level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I gained respect. Like, I got to know these, find out some mm-hmm. really interesting stuff about what turned out to be really interest, super interesting people. Because I was sober. And mm-hmm. what? And then it makes you think about what you kind of put out into the world and that. And it's, mm. I don't know. And it, ever, ever since then, it's just like, my, my world has just, my eyes have been opened and my world has just increased. And like the canvassing we did. Yeah. It's a good thing that the canvassing came about around the time that I had to be abstinent from alcohol. Because to mm. be honest with you, mate, I don't think I'd have actually come canvassing if mm. I was drinking during that period. Because mm. yeah. I'd be too hungover. Yeah. Mm. And also the anxiety that you get from mm. drinking too much mm. hangs makes you lazy. I get I get that all the time. Very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no way I'd have been out. Yeah. There's, mm. I'd, have, I'd have probably just like ended up just compensating for it, like probably maybe getting stoned all day or some shit. <laughs> I wouldn't have come out. And then the worst thing is I would have resented myself for not coming out yeah. and letting down sat. And yeah. ultimately, eventually letting you down as well. We wouldn't so, be here today. I suppose so. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. It's fucking true. Um, oh, something you said that was really, really interesting. So, do you, so right now you feel like you've got a lot more to offer the world? I would say absolutely, 100%, mm. because... Like, it's like, it's, it's a maturity thing. Like, my speech has cleared up. I'm able to think things a lot more clear. I'm also able to be a bit less, like, reactive and emotional mm-hmm. about things. Although I'm still quite an emotional person, as you both know. Like, Sponsored instead. Yeah. And, like, I like to, like, I now don't doubt myself. I now believe I can take things as far as I can. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I believe, because, like, why not? Like, the, the belief is just so important to me. Like, the the idea that, like, we're just incapable of doing things... It's just like something that I just now just don't accept. And like you have to accept that there's hurdles. But one thing I kind of want to draw back into a little bit as well, we touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, um, earlier in the episode, is about my experience in Haringey mm. a little bit. I think one thing that, like, to, back to your point about the canvassing and to your question about what kind of allowed me to connect to people is, um, I've, I've kind of floated the idea with you guys before about the sort of day walker element mm. um, you know, like, I don't know if anyone's a fan of Blade or, like, watch Blade. Lives oh, I'm not a fan of Blade. No, I don't it's a great film, great film. All right. Where's the snaps? <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> you don't know about Blade? <laughs> no. Blade is sick. Like, Wesley Snipes, you know Wesley Snipes? No. It's actually a Marvel, it's actually a Marvel comic. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Blade is a vampire human. Right. Oh yeah! That fucks up other vampires mm-hmm. because he can walk in daylight. He's got all yeah. of their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I like think about think about myself because like I grew up in Harringay, and although you know I I saw a lot of social inequality that I wasn't necessarily privy to myself, and I think like ties back into what I was saying before about you know growing up in a in a in an era like Harringay where the statistics are so like fucking depending on what side of the tracks you're on, mm-hmm. you have a very different experience there, mm-hmm. um, and it's just very on a on a personal level, it's just kind of really sad to see the way people talk about Harringay these days. I think it's really unfair, and I think it's quite hurtful. It's a brilliant borough, and there's a lot of people that are really struggling, and people people have just basically turned it into a political. They just they just they're just yeah. taking people's lives and they're turning yeah. it into political score political it, points. It themselves. is a political game at this moment, and it, and it pisses me off to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest with you. And people mm-hmm. like I still know people that live in the flats that mm-hmm. fucking are, people are talking about like getting rid of and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. you know the consensus in the area is they feel a little bit betrayed about what's mm-hmm. going on. But the way that it's being talked about is it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. like yeah yeah like this is really just a battle between is it called progress yeah. progress and momentum yeah yeah. Yeah. It's like no, this isn't about political pressure groups yeah. having it out of each other. We're talking yeah. about people's lives here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thing is, yeah, like um, what I know, okay, I want to get your take on it, but from what I've heard and what I've seen is that, um, some pe- some people made it really personal about them, and they haven't really made it about the people. I'm not like too well read on the situation, and like I tend to become more involved in it. I've reached out to the Radical Housing Association. Um, to and I've asked them how I can get involved in Harringay and they've reached out to me so I'm going to actually try and utilise some of my sales skills in whatever way I've reached out to them I've let them know this is what I'm capable of doing I don't know any have any legal expertise I don't have any social housing expertise or housing expertise but like in whatever way I can support I would like to support I don't know too much about the granular details but one thing I do know is that like I remember having a conversation with my girlfriend's mum and her friend who like been like members of the Labour Party for a very long time mm. and like been out canvassing and stuff and they were talking about they think it's like a shame that the hard left are you know opposed you know trying to take over blah 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 and I thought when did this become about a power struggle mm. at what point did like closing down libraries and public assets mm-hmm. for what many people considered to believe social cleansing which is taking place across the city and is proven mm. to take place across the city when did that become about hard left and then when i sort of tried to reintroduce the idea that maybe there's people here the consensus amongst the public is that actually they're not being fairly treated um under the under the hdv um plans it it was i was just greeted with more references to how the hard left choose to take on the fight and Mm. i'm not saying this in defense of whatever the hard left is supposed to be but i just think it's like really really unfair on the people who actually live in Harrogate yeah. who unlike me aren't privileged and yeah. don't actually have people speaking for them so bringing this back to you yeah 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 because you are in the hot seat <laughs> um and kind of I guess drawing on the same point as well I think um earlier you talked about your skills in sales means that you're able to kind of get to the heart of what someone's basically what their kind of nemesis is or what yeah their, you know their secret boxes that they're not willing to kind of like poke into and and start really thinking about and I know in the summer you went on an amazing journey to start kind of exploring these other aspects of your personality that you had no idea were there really yeah um what does the future hold like what things do you still feel like you can kind of poke into and and look into in yourself And, and what are you hoping that you can pursue or push yourself to do in the coming year brilliant question brilliant question i want to i want to get better at communicating my thoughts and actually articulating them properly even when i actually think about like previous episodes of the red pill listening back like i just think like there were so many things that i said or could have said so much better and i i think everyone would think that i think even the most articulate and and the and the, the best speakers amongst us would probably listen back to somewhere where mm-hmm. i can be like jesus like yeah. I, I wish i hadn't fucking said it like that exactly. and i i just i don't like i'm very good at looking at other people and looking at how they communicate and thinking about how they could communicate a bit better um but I'd like to just maybe take some time to do that more with myself. And I really want to advance my poetry further as well. Like, one thing that I've really enjoyed with, like, my poetry recently is I've started, like, taking it a lot more political. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, is that, like, sometimes the words don't come to me. And I just, I just, I want to get to a point where, like, I can speak for other people using 
my words and using the feelings. But more importantly, I I, I just really just want to feel freedom. I just want to feel. I just want to feel like. I just want to feel pure contentness. I just want to get rid of all anxiety. I want to remove all fear. I want to be the truest version of myself. And you know what I think? Yeah, and I know it's the hot seat's about me, but this is my observation. It's amazing how many, how much like people don't like that. That's not a priority for people. That that's not something that people really think about. Contentment. Like, contentment. And and what does that look like? You know, some people say they oh, I want to be happy. Like, do you know what I'm getting sick of? I'm sick of looking on Instagram from like cheese, cheesy people like being like posting up these quotes like, "Hey, money's not gonna find you happiness. You can only find happiness from within." Two seconds later, it's like, "Hey, look at my new winter jacket," and it's like, "Cool." But like, where's the content? Like, what does contentment look like? Mm -hmm. And I'm still yeah. trying to word it out, Liv. I don't, I don't yeah. know what that looks like for yeah. me. And mm -hmm. I just, I just, mm -hmm. I just think like, I think about like you've got like. Um, you know, you got like Buddhism. You mm. the kind of that the, the promotion of it is being like Nirvana. Yeah, being a state of Nirvana, a state of well-being. It's inter it's an interesting thing actually, because yeah. what you'll all learn about in the next episode, I'm sure you'll dig into this. But it's a Christian, <laughs> yeah. it's a real Christian philosophy, is contentment, mm. not to strive for happiness, but yeah. actually contentment, which some people kind of sniff at, don't they? They think it's mm. worse than happiness, mm. but actually, mm. it's something which doesn't peak and trough. It it mm. sits there all the time, and yeah. you've got it's peace, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think it is peace to a certain extent. I, I believe it is, but I don't think it's progress. That's why I just don't believe in contentment. It's at not all. well. It's very conservative of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Standard. <laughs> <laughs> go, on, go. On, sorry, I was on it. Go on, Keep oh, I don't know. Well, what does contentment mean for you, Dan? That's what I'm trying to work. Sorry, sorry. That's, what, that's kind of like what I'm, what what trying, to I'm trying to work yeah. out this year because it's weird. Like I, I'm on a journey of breaking comfort zones. Yeah. And I fucking do it all the time. Like, it, I, like trust me, I, I'm, I like public speaking. I get, I, get, I get a kick off it. I really enjoy it. But, like, every single time I do open mic, I still shit myself. Which is good, mm. because it's part of the adrenaline of, mm. of, yeah. of conquering it. And then, actually, mm. the second they call out my name, and they're like, next up, Dan James. And I insist that they roll out the S when they say Dan James. <laughs> <It's not okay>. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Say it again if it's just that like Dan, Dan James. honey James. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the second they call up, the second they call up my name, I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, like, right, good to go. Sweet, I'm gonna own and control this room, and that's what I do. I just fucking dominate the room with my voice, right? But, but like. The contentment comes from it's like there's still that concern I feel like what do I actually want from life and then and then once I've worked out how does one go about getting that mm. you know all I used to if you'd asked me three years ago all I wanted to do is be the biggest builder in my company I wanted to get I wanted to make a hundred hundred and twenty k plus a year and I wanted to just be getting fucked all the time and not and like I had these images and fantasies in my head of like you know smashing in a couple deals buying buying some clothes. Going, you know, going to the booze or drinking all the booze, not being hungover, taking my bird for lunch the next day, flying off to Paris, like all this, and all this like chap fucking macho bullshit, you know, buying like eight grand watches. You'd ask me three, four years ago, all I wanted to do is just buy like an eight grand watch and just be able to go on first class five star holidays. And now, and now, now I don't know what contentment looks like to me. I just know that like I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, a, a battle with myself. There's certain things I'm doing to really push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, stuff in my personal life that you two are aware of that maybe one day the listeners will be privy to. Um, you know, it's just for me, it's just like, how far can I take this? Like, you know, my night speak easy. Mm. How far can I take that? How big can that get? 
Mm. You know, how, how, how popular can my poetry get? Mm. And also, is it just about popularity? Is it mm. a form of narcissism? Or is mm. it because I have an actual genuine message? Mm. Am I just packaging my narcissism and need for attention in, in what I consider to be beautiful words and broadcasting that? Or is it because it genuinely has a place out there? Mm. You know, is it important what I'm saying? Am I the next Bob Dylan? Almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but the question is, why do I want that? You know, it, would it would it not just be enough for me to just write this stuff at home and then just fucking recite it to myself? You know, what does contentment look like in that respect? Or do people need to hear it? I think it's, um, well, I, I I think it's a kind of um, integral part of being human is, com- is mm. communicating. Like just how you said before, yeah. you want to communicate how you feel. Mm. That's. That was your. That was the number one thing you said you wanted to achieve this year, mm-hmm. ahead of contentment. Yeah. You can't create something and just keep it to yourself. Yeah. I tell you what, I, I do want to do a full episode on contentment, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not uh, legit. I've got so much to say. Anyway, Dan, thank you very thank much, you. Dan. Welcome. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Honey. <laughs> hey. Uh, cool, guys. Thank you for joining us for the second episode this year of the Red Pill. Uh, Join us for the third episode where we'll be. Putting live on the hot seat. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye.